Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. As you're turning there, I want to tell you how much I love you. I'm just so thankful for you. Rachel and I, we love you. We love your family. Uh, We thank you that you let us be your pastors uh, to learn and grow together. How many of you know life is a journey? And who you include in that journey a lot of times determines where you end up. And I'm just so thankful to take this journey with spiritual family. I want you to know how much we love you, how much God loves you. I heard from a pastor a couple of weeks ago. He, he uh, started a church in Florida and pastored it for 40 years, then transitioned the church over to his son and um, had a lady come up to him and, uh, and because he, every Sunday he would stand before the congregation and he would say, hey, I love you. I want you to know God loves you. We love you. Uh, A lady came up to him and said, Pastor, I always enjoyed coming to church every Sunday because I knew that I would hear you say, I love you. And that was the only time I ever heard that. You know, we live in a culture and a world that is so desperate for love. How many of you know we see hate on display everywhere? I just believe that the power of love has the ability to transform somebody. Can I have a good amen? We've been in this series, and and today is the final installment in the book of Psalms. We've called this the Songs of Jesus. How many of you love the Psalms? Man, I love it. I love it. I love it. I just can't get enough of the Psalms. One of my favorite things about the one-year Bible is that every day you have an Old Testament, New Testament reading, but then you get a Psalm each and every day. And it's just amazing how God's word is just so appropriate and specifically what the Psalms speaks to us. I just believe that Psalms is the the universal language of the human soul. I think everybody understands Psalms, just the passion, the emotion, kind of the raw. uh, You know, if, if the writer of the Psalms is angry, you feel it. You know, if he's excited, you know it. If he's hopeful or discouraged, I mean, it's just so raw. And I I love that about the Psalms. You know, Jesus quoted the Psalms more than any other book. In fact, many of the Psalms were were prophetic. They they pointed to his life. And and, uh, I told you that that this series was kind of inspired by a reading. At the beginning of the year, I was reading the biography of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And some of you are familiar with who Diedrich Bonhoeffer was. Uh, He was a, a brilliant German theologian during World War II that stood up to Hitler. I mean, he, this, this guy stood for the suffering of the Jews, and he spent two years in prison because he was so outspoken and so committed, you know, to his faith and the plight of those who were suffering. And so while he was in prison, he wrote many letters. In fact, he, um, he would pray the Psalms every day. And I came across this little booklet, and I wish they still had this in print, but this is called The Psalms. It was written by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was a martyr. They ended up hanging him after two years in prison. But this is called Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible. I tried to buy 400 of these today or this past week and have them available uh, to you, but guess what? They're not in print. 
So if you can Google, I think we found like 26 somewhere. Um, I don't know if you're into used books or not, but this little read right here, I think, would be transformative. This ties in to what we've been talking about over the last four weeks. Whatever season you find yourself in, there is a psalm for every situation. And so we talked about praying your fears. How many remember when we talked about fear? praying your fears. Then, then we talked about praying your tears. Remember how God collects every tear in, in his bottle and records each one of our sorrows in his book. Uh, last week, we talked about praying your failures. Uh, and so today, I want to talk to you about praying your battles, okay? Praying your, your battles. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Somebody say next week. Next week, do not miss next Sunday. Even though the series on Psalm is is over today, next Sunday, we're going to do a worship Sunday where we just get before God and we sing and we worship and we pray. I want you to come next Sunday with an expectation for the supernatural. If you need a miracle in your life, if you know somebody that needs a miracle, get them to church across all of our campuses. You can't do a series on the book of Psalms and then not just take a Sunday to sing and offer worship to God. And our team has been preparing and our pastors, we're ready. And man, we're going to anoint people with oil. How many of you, you just need more of the Holy Ghost in your life? Man, so, so, you know, I don't know what your expectations are as far as church on Sundays, but throw that out the window. We're going to let the Holy Ghost do whatever he wants to do. And so we're going to get in the altars, man. We're going to pray. We're going to believe for healing. I just believe God's going to set some people free. Can I have a good amen? So mark your calendar. Somebody say next Sunday. Say, I'll be here. All right, so let's talk today. Psalm 91. When you came in, you got one of these handouts, okay? Uh, this is so, so, so important. This is going to serve as a guide for what we discuss today. It's got the, the, the entire chapter on one side and a portion of it on the other. And then you'll see that some of the notes that we'll be talking today through are listed right here. I wanted you to keep this handout. I wanted it to be kind of shaped like this so you could slide it right in your Bible and refer to it every time you're fighting a battle. I think Psalm 91 is one of my favorite chapters in all the book of Psalms. In fact, probably in the entire Bible. I love Psalm 91. Let's talk about praying your battles. Anybody fighting a battle? Anybody know someone that's fighting through some stuff right now? Turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for you today. Now, right out the bat, let me, uh, we talk about spiritual warfare and fighting battles and, and, and the context of human struggle. There are two mistakes that Christians make, okay? Two mistakes. Uh, let me kind of set this up before we dive into the scriptures. There's two mistakes that we make as believers. First of all, I think we exaggerate Satan's power. We exaggerate his power. We give him way too much credit. Refrigerator breaks down. And we say, the devil is a liar. <laughs> Come on now, am I talking to anybody? Oh, yes, indeed. Something, something wrong with the car. I have a flat tire. That old devil. Well, listen, yeah, is the devil a liar? Yes, he is. But your refrigerator broke down because it's 400 years old. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, sometimes we, we blame the devil for things that maybe he really didn't do, but we give him credit for. We exaggerate his power. Well, the devil made me do it. <laughs> no, pretty.
pretty sure you handled that one all by yourself. How many know sometimes through our laziness, our, our selfishness, our irresponsibility, we create our own problems? Devil doesn't need, he, he doesn't need our help when it comes to creating a mess. Sometimes we do that really well all by ourselves. So let's be very clear. You know, the, the first mistake that sometimes we make is we exaggerate his power. The second mistake that we make is we ignore Satan's power. Can I tell you about the power of the enemy? The primary power of the enemy of your soul is deception. He doesn't have much power at all. In fact, we'll talk about the cross here in just a moment. But the power of the enemy is primarily to deceive. He lies, he accuses, and then he condemns. The Greek word for devil is diablos, diablos, one who slanders, one who accuses. Here's what happens. The devil will tempt you to sin, and then you'll commit the sin, and then the devil will run to God and tell God that you're a sinner. And he'll accuse you for what he's tempted you to do that you did. And a lot of times, this is the cycle of shame, and we kind of, we hover under this, this guilt and condemnation because we fall to his deception. Now, uh, Psalm 91 is a beautiful passage. I encourage you. The reason why I gave it to you on a card is so you could read it every day. And if you're into memorizing scripture, I don't know if you do that kind of stuff or not, I, I would just commit this whole thing to memory. And then when you're attacked by the enemy, man, you just break out Psalm 91, and you say, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Om. Come on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's jump into this. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, notice it says, he who dwells. Somebody say dwells. Uh, that means to, to not to just visit. You don't treat God like a hotel. You just check in and check out. Man, but you, you make your home in him. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. Now notice in verse 2 it says, I will say of the Lord. Write this down if you're taking notes, or in fact, just look on your little card and you'll see. Number one, be intentional in what you say. Be intentional in what you say. If you are fighting a battle, be intentional. Pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. We live in a culture and at a time where we obsess with everything that we put into our mouths, but we pay very little attention to what comes out of our mouths. Come on, how many know we'll go to the grocery store and we'll look at the, the fat grams and the calories and, and what's the ingredients of we'll be very, very careful. We're going to eat healthy because we don't want to put anything bad in our mouths. But Jesus said, you're not defiled by what comes in your mouth. You're defiled by what comes out of your mouth. And especially during times of testing, you need to watch your mouth. The writer here says that the author, some people think it was David. Some people think it was Moses. But the author here says, I will say of the Lord. Now, the tactic of the enemy is to get you to question what God has said. That's one of the first things he does. He wants to create doubt and confusion over what God says. Remember in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were in sinless perfection, the serpent came and really challenged them and said, 
did God really say not to eat the fruit of that tree? How many remembers that? He's calling into question, you see. He wants you to question God's word, and then you'll begin to question God's heart. Adam and Eve were like, well, wait a second. Maybe God doesn't want what's best for us. Maybe he wants less for us. And if you question God's word, you begin to question his heart, and then you question his power. Now, let me ask you this. Who is the first one in the New Testament to quote Psalm 91? Bible scholars, anybody? Who's the first? It's recorded in the Gospels. Who is the first person to quote Psalm 91? The devil. How many of you got a little surprise there? You're thinking, is it John? Maybe it was Jesus? Got to be a disciple? No. How many of you know Satan knows the word? Now, he'll try to use that and twist it and try to create confusion. But watch this in Matthew 4, verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God. Notice what he says. He's questioning God's word. In Matthew chapter 3, God had just spoken over Jesus at his water baptism saying, this is my son, the one that I love. In him I am pleased. God just spoke that. And now the devil's trying to question what God said. If you are the son of God, then jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. My, 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 my. Now we can quote scripture, even the devil quotes scripture. But we got to know how to interpret the scripture. We got to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. You know, Jesus defended himself when he was being tempted in the wilderness, and he defended himself with God's word. The writer of Psalm 91 says this, I will say of the Lord. Can I tell you something about your words? Your words are containers of power. Please do not minimize the power of what comes out of your mouth. That word say, I will say of the Lord. In the Hebrew, it's the same word that's used in Genesis. When the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, he said, let there be light. He spoke into existence. Out of nothing came something. I want you to know there is transformation power in what comes out of our mouths. And we got to get into agreement with God. Our words create atmosphere. Uh, Listen, don't put a minus where God's trying to put a plus. God's speaking something positive over us. He's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. And if he's saying something positive and you're saying something negative, what happens when you put a negative and positive together? They cancel each other out. It's like we're undermining the purpose and plan of God by speaking against what God has already said. Are you catching this? I will say of the Lord. What are you saying? Listen, don't make God small by the way that you talk. Now, I know some of us are going through tremendous opposition, and we're fighting battles that are bigger than us, but they're not bigger than God. So by your words, don't make God small. How many of you know God's not a smurf? He's the creator of the universe. The writer here says, I will say, can I tell you this? You have a choice in what you voice. 
I will say, there's a choice in here. I will say of the Lord. Sometimes when we're walking through battles, all we talk about is our circumstances. You know what's going to help you when you're in the middle of a battle? Don't speak about your circumstances. Talk about who God is in the midst of your circumstances. The author here is leaving no doubt as to who God is. He says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Somebody say, my refuge. He is my fortress. Somebody say, my fortress. He is my God. Can you say, my God? And he says, I will trust in him. Come on, do you trust him today? In the midst of your battle or struggle, quit talking about your circumstances. Start speaking about your God. Now notice the the personal pronoun that's being used. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. Can I tell you, that implies personal relationship. You get to know God when you're going through some stuff, and you know him in a different way. Trials and tests, I believe, it it teaches us something about the character and nature of God. And do you know him as your God? I don't want you to know him as Pastor Mike's God. I want you to know him as your God because of what he's walked you through, what you've seen and experienced about the character and nature of his faithfulness, even in the midst of your problems. You know, in, in, in my phone, I have certain contacts. I've got my favorites. And at the top of my favorite list is my wife. And I don't have Rachel Heyman plugged into my phone. My phone does not recognize Rachel Heyman, but my phone recognizes my baby. If I say, Siri, call Rachel Heyman, she won't know who Rachel is. But if I say, I need to talk to my baby, dials her up. Why? Because that's my girl. It's personal. Come on, somebody. I got a relationship with my baby. Now, guess, guess, guess how I'm stored in her phone. True story. Hunk of hunk of burning love. Oh, yes, sir. Her phone don't know Mike Heyman, but you say honka, honka, burning love. I'm getting a call. Come on. Listen, do you know him as your God? Is he, is he your refuge? What does refuge imply? It's a protective covering. It's where you run to for safety. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. That word fortress implies strength. Man, when you'd run in the day of battle to that stronghold, and man, the fortress is where you could find protection and strength. He is my God. In him will I trust. Listen, you need to, if you're in a battle, you need to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. Be intentional in what you speak. Your mouth is so important. I, I thought about this. You remember in the Gospel of Luke, Zechariah was one of the priests and he was working in the temple and the angel of the Lord showed up to Zechariah in a revelation and began to speak to him about his future and said, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth, you're very old, but she is pregnant with child. Remember that? Remember the angel was talking about John the Baptist. This was the birth of John the Baptist. And so Gabriel goes to Zechariah and says, your wife is pregnant and begins to describe the exploits of what John the Baptist would do for the nation of Israel. And you know what? Zechariah just couldn't believe it. 
He just couldn't believe, how can, it, how can it be? I mean, she's old, I'm old, this is, it just can't happen. Look at what the angel says in Luke 1, 19. Then the angel said, whoa, 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 time out. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was God who sent me to bring you this good news. Verse 20, but now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. My, my, my. God had to shut his mouth. Because his mouth was going to ruin his destiny. Come on now, you catching this? Some of you, God's trying to shut your mouth because you're speaking doubt and unbelief. And God says, wait a second, my words will be accomplished. Make sure that your words match God's words. Don't, listen to me, don't use your words to describe your situation. Use your words to change your situation. The writer says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God, in him will I trust. Are you catching this? Now look at what it says in verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes you will look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Is, it, is anybody getting encouraged right now? I'm telling you, Psalm 91. If, you, if I were a doctor, I would write a prescription. Every day, you need to take a little vitamin, Psalm 91. It's just, it's good for your soul. The second thing I want you to see is this. We talk, first of all, be intentional in what you say. But number two, don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you see. Now, now this is important, okay? If what we say, if what comes out of our mouth is crucial, then our perspective is equally important. What you see, life is all about perspective. Now here, he says, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. It's the picture of being in a battle and you're seeing people falling all around you. You know, it's easy to look around us and feel hopeless. It, it is so easy to be discouraged in this day. Can I have a good amen? Watch the news, and you just get depressed. You know, you see what's happening on the global scale. As I was preparing, you know, to preach Psalm 91, I thought, well, Lord, how does this work? How does Psalm 91 work for a Christian in Ukraine? Listen, if, if I can't preach this to the church in Ukraine, I've got no business preaching this to you right here in Louisiana. Because the word works when you put it to work. What does this mean for, I mean, you, globally, and you see the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and you, I'm sure you've seen videos and footage of, of, of people trying to take cover, of Christians singing around their kitchen table, of, of prayers being offered up. What does Psalm 91 mean for Ukraine? What does it mean for us here in Baton Rouge? I'm sure probably many of you, you saw in the news about the, the, the shootings that took place on Picardian Blue Bonnet. How many of you saw that? You heard about that. Maybe you saw video footage. 
I was there. I was having lunch in Jay Alexander's when I heard gunfire. I was on the scene and I, I saw this horrific scene unfold and I thought, oh dear, oh dear God. We live in desperate days, difficult days. A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. How do you interpret Psalm 91 in a world that's so messed up? In a world where tragedy visits all of us. Now, let's get our interpretation. We got to apply this in the right way because some people will look at Psalm 91 and view it as like some force field, some invisible force field that keeps us from tragedy. Can I tell you what? That's not what this is saying here because all of us will experience tragedy. All of us will. Mike, you said that if I pray this over my kids, they won't get sick. I didn't say that. How many know your kids, you still have to take them to the doctor? How many know the car's going to break down? But, but I quoted Psalm 91. Bad things still happen. You know, Christians have suffered throughout human history. I mean, look at, look at Job. The Bible says Job sacrificed for his kids every day because lest they committed sin and, and he wasn't aware of it, he was sacrificing for them. Yet all of Job's kids died tragically. You think about martyrs throughout the, 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 the centuries. Hebrews 11 talks about those who, who were cut in half and those who were destitute, those who were stoned. And the Bible says that the world wasn't even worthy of them. So he says, come on home. You see, how do you interpret Psalm 91? Listen, the Christian perspective has to be different than the world. We don't think like, act like, walk like, talk like, believe like the world does. Psalm 91 is not just for this life, but it's for the life to come. And I want to encourage us as believers to have an eternal perspective. Jesus said, in this world, you will always have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. How many of you know that as believers in Christ, we're not just living for this life, but we're living for the next life? You know what? If things are not right in this life, it's a reminder that this is not our final resting place. Man, if bad things happen to good people, because see, here's why I felt like it's so important that I teach you this, because sometimes we'll read a promise and then we'll misapply it. And then when things don't turn out like we want them to, we blame God. And we say, well, I tried that. I prayed that I did that and it didn't work for me. And I've seen people walk away from their faith because they felt like God couldn't be trusted in their situation. Why did I have to bury a, a, a loved one? Why did I lose my job? Why are my kids far away from the Lord? And when the word says, the word says, and you seem, it seems like the word's not working. It, it, here's what we need to realize, that this life is not all there is. That the promises of God are not just for today, but they're forever. And so if it's not good today, God's not done. If it's not good, it's not over. God still has something to say. Is this making sense? You know, it's, I'm reminded of the story I've heard of a father and son. They were driving down the road, and they had the windows down, and a bee flew into the car. And this bee began to buzz. And the son was panicking. He said, Dad, it's a bee. It's a bee. Don't let the bee get me. And so the dad reached over calmly, snatched that bee in his hand. He held it for 
a few seconds. Then he opened his hand and he released it. That bee began to fly around the car. And his boy's like, dad, dad, the bee, don't let the bee get me. And the dad said, son, don't worry about the bee. When I held him in my hand, it stung me. Look, here's the stinger right here. That bee can't hurt you. All that bee can do is make noise. And it reminded me of the cross of Jesus Christ. When he hung on that cross, he reached out and he snatched death. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of death because the scripture says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You see, in his body, in his hands, in his feet, in his side, he took the sting of death. He took all of that pain upon himself. And can I tell you this? He has the final word when it comes to our suffering. He has the final word when it comes to our sadness. That any pain that we experience in this life will be redeemed because of what he did on that cross. Are you catching this today? This is so far. Our perspective, what you see, what you see. You know, all death can do now is just buzz. That's all it can do is just buzz at you. Can I tell you, don't be afraid of death. Because death, our death in this life is simply the gateway to the life that God has prepared for us. Reminded in 2 Kings chapter 6 when Elisha, he was, he and his servant, he, he was at the house and, and the enemy army was surrounding the house. And so the Bible says in 2 Kings that Elisha's servant went out on the front porch to do his morning chores and he looks up and he sees that they're surrounded by the enemy army. And he runs back in in a panic and he says, Elisha, you got to see this. It's terrible. We're in trouble. And there's Elisha, and he's just eating his breakfast, drinking his coffee, reading the morning paper. And he says, uh, no, there, there's more on our side than on theirs. And the servant's like, Elisha, are you sure that's coffee that you're drinking? You might want to come. I've seen the entire enemy army surrounding us. And here's what Elisha prayed. Watch this in verse uh, 17. Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Then the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and with chariots of fire. Can I tell you, God needs to help some of us lift up our eyes. You know, because what we're seeing, man, you're watching the news and you're reading what's happening in the world, it is discouraging, but God's wanting to open our eyes and lift up our heads to see a different perspective. Because now is not forever. Could somebody say, thank you, Jesus? The pain and the heartache and the sorrow in this world, it is fleeting for a moment, but one day joy will be for all eternity. Uh, even Diedrich Bonhoeffer, at the end of his life, when he was about to be hanged, he said this, this is the end, but for me, it's the beginning of life. Oh, listen, beloved, pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. Be intentional in what you say. Number two, don't be moved by what you see. And finally, number three, take God at his word. Let me finish this up. The Bible says this in verse 13. You will tread upon the lion 
and upon the cobra. Yes, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Verse 14, because you have set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high because you have known my name. When you call upon me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you with long life. I will satisfy you and will show you my salvation. What a way to end this song. It starts with seeking and dwelling and abiding in the secret place. And then it finishes with all these I will statements. It's like God's saying, hey, if you will, then I will. There's kind of a contingency here. Lord, I'm just going to take refuge in you. I can't explain what's happening globally. Is is this invasion of Ukraine? Is this the beginning of the end times? I've heard talks of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38 war, this coalition of nations, you know, Bible prophecy. Is this what's happening? I don't know. I'll tell you this, though. If you want to know about end times, keep your eyes on Israel. Keep your eyes on Israel. If this is end times, if not, doesn't change my day to day because I am watching, I am waiting, I am ready, I'm ready to go today. If the Lord Jesus were to come back now, bye. I'm going to kiss this world goodbye. And I'll enter into heaven and the joy of the Lord will never end. You know, we've got to take God at his word. He says, I will. I will. On that card, you'll see all of the I will statements. Let me tell you this. You can take God at his word. Now, we live in a time where we don't trust anything or anyone. Am I right? How many know there's major distrust in in today? We, we, We don't trust organizations like we used to. I mean, you, you, you think about it. There's been, because of what's happened, especially in recent years, man, we don't trust government. Man, we, we're, we're susceptible. Uh, you know, we question health care. You look at the education system. You look at all these things, you know, the media. Oh, I don't trust that news outlet. I don't trust what they're saying. There's so much distrust everywhere. Well, who do you trust? You can count on what God has put in this book. Everything that he said, he signed his name to it. In fact, Psalm 138, verse 2, the Bible says this, all the promises of God are backed by all the honor of his name. He just said, this is what I said, and I put my name to it. And the blood of Jesus seals it. You can trust him. God's track record demands our trust. Look look at how he's moved throughout human history. Look at how God has been faithful to you over the years. Even when you don't understand, you can trust. Amen. You receive that today, church? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.